More discussion on the historical deceptions of Mormon leadership next on Polygamy, What Love Is This? Quite a while ago, uh, we started a series entitled 101 Deceptions, Prevarications, Dishonesty, and Lying for the Lord Practiced by the Original Mormon Polygamous Church. Now, these ungodly practices continue in both the LDS Church today as well as the Mormon polygamy groups. Now, it's been a long time since we visited this discussion, and now the list is up from 101 deceptions to 152 of them. They, they found a few more. <laughs> found a few more, yeah. In John 1:47, when Jesus first met Nathaniel, he said this, Behold an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. In that interesting statement, <laughs> the eldest church has always claimed to be the true Israel of the latter days, but that cannot be true, proven by the massive deceitfulness in which they have historically conducted themselves regarding polygamy, blood atonement, lying for the Lord, racial prejudice, lying to Congress, and so on. Yeah. They have deceit. Yeah. Jesus said a true Israelite has no deceit. We ended last time with number 54, so number 55 is next on our overview. But, and of course, we don't do every point, right, and we right. just don't have time, just the outstanding ones. But before we start with number 55, just for a review, we want to discuss number 54 again because it's so important. Yeah, it is. Lying, beca <laughs> Excuse me. Lying <laughs> became such an integral practice with the Latter-day Saints, church leaders instructed members how to lie about polygamy according to the testimony of members given under oath. Under this is oath. from the Solemn, Solemn, <laughs> Solemn Covenant, page 365. Very good book about early Mormon yeah. polygamy, by the way. Uh, and, you know, we're not making things up. Both the LDS Church and <coughs> the polygamy groups are frequently in the news because of some kind of massive deceit or illegal financial or sexual activities being exposed. It's ongoing. We quote from Psalms, a description of the person who is blessed by God. Yeah, Psalms 32, verses 1 and 2. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Yeah, there we go. In whose spirit there's no deceit. And First John tells us that no lie comes from the truth, yet multiplied lies and deceitful cover-ups have come from Mormonism and the polygamists, and they still do. But Jesus doesn't lie. He cannot lie. He doesn't need or recruit liars to protect his people nor does he ever command his people to lie to protect him or his church. So, beginning with number 55, <laughs> we quote from mormonthink.com. Number 55. Loyalty was more important than honesty in the early church and is still considered more vital than truth. Joseph's instruction to the Twelve in 1839 was that above all else, quote, do not betray your friend. End of quote. He frequently reminded members that they should honor friendships above all else, even to death. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty powerful there. Now, the LDS and polygamy groups are to exhibit unquestioning, unmoving faith. 
blind loyalty, blind obedience, lying to outsiders are seen as great attributes for the member. <laughs> Robert Oakes wrote in the Ensign, which is a Mormon church publication, yeah. an article entitled, Believe All Things, quoting from the Bible, something that the Apostle Paul said. The Apostle Paul, <clears throat> excuse me, tells us that charity, that most important of all virtues, believeth all things. For us to believe all things means to believe the doctrine of the restored gospel of Jesus Christ, as well as the words of the Latter-day Prophets. It means to successfully erase our doubts and reservations. It means that in making spiritual commitments, we are prepared to hold nothing back. It means we are ready to consecrate our lives to the work of the kingdom. Wow. Talk about indoctrination. <laughs> but if we to apply God, uh, Paul's original teaching that he's quoting, we could not believe in the doctrine of a restored gospel simply because Jesus had already promised his church that his word would endure throughout all generations that his church would too. Yeah. Jesus's, uh, Jesus promised endurance forever of his word in his church. Did Jesus lie? Those who believe in a restored LDS gospel is calling him a liar. Before we believe all things, we need to obey God who said, test everything. God who said, search the scriptures to see if these things are true. <laughs> he doesn't want us to believe a lie. That's right. If it's not true, he doesn't want us to believe it. Doubts for a Mormon or a polygamist is a good thing, but all doubts should be investigated. The same Bible from which Oaks quoted tells us to test everything. So we test them before we just automatically believe everything. <laughs> we quote the final statement of number 55. <clears throat> the bold commandment to avoid critical thinking, abandon healthy skepticism, and blindly obey church leaders is another reason some outside the LDS church view it as a cult. Hmm. Many mainstream religious groups encourage critical thinking and questioning beliefs and practices. And Mormonism is a cult. Yeah. They don't like to hear it, but it's it true is. because it their teachings just do not agree with the Bible. Even though they claim they follow Jesus, they do not believe most of what he taught. Loyalty is more important to them than honesty. And even the Book of Mormon tells the Mormon reader that all liars will be sent to hell. So why are they lying? <laughs> The writer of this article on MormonThink.com quotes from the book entitled Solemn Covenant, which contain a multitude of footnotes and references about early Mormon polygamy, historical yeah. references. It's a very good historical book and worthy of your reading if you want to investigate the truth of Joseph Smith, early Mormonism, early Mormon polygamy, and some of their questionable <laughs> leaders and practices. Okay, the next point comes from the book <coughs> Solid Covenant, number 56. While the Danites, a Mormon vigilante group, were active in Missouri in 1838, Justice Morse described how he and others were directed to help out a friend by lying and to do it with such positiveness and assurance that no one would question our testimony. The greatest of evils, according to Joseph, in an 1839 address to the Twelve were, quote, sinning against the Holy Ghost and proving a traitor to the brethren, end of quote. Smith confided that he deceived the saints by keeping secrets from them because they were little children, unable to bear all things now. Joseph counseled the Relief Society sisters not to be overzealous in their search for wrongdoing and to be charitable 
toward the accused after counseling them to seek out evildoers months earlier. Stories about adultery and spiritual wifery especially aggravated him. <laughs> well, of course it'd be <laughs> <course> aggravated. It <laughs> he was constantly being accused of polygamy and constantly denying his polygamous activities, even though he was a polygamist. Now, the greatest sin, he said, is being a traitor to the brethren. Yeah. <laughs> Do they still believe that? I imagine that would be considered a, a big uh, sin. To, uh, it certainly is in the polygamy to, groups. Yeah. So you just do not do that. Yeah. You do not betray a fellow member of your Mormon group. Many polygamists threaten hell and damnation to the person who talks about their activities to anyone outside the group. Their religion is based on fear, threats, shame, and guilt. Probably worse in the polygamy groups than... Would you think? Yeah, well, yeah. Way. There's, there's more they have to protect in yeah. the polygamy groups. Yeah. A lot more secrecy <laughs> and silence and mm -hmm. shaming threats. And stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now the writer goes on to say that we would think sexual predatory practices, raping and sexually assaulting teenage girls in Nauvoo, would <laughs> have caused him to list them among the most abominable of sins. But he didn't because he was doing those things himself. <laughs> of course, he. <laughs> He would condemn the very things he was doing, saying he wasn't doing them. Now, history does show that Joseph Smith was a scoundrel. Now, the devil's always sending out someone else for people to believe in alongside of or instead of Jesus. But it, actually, it is only Jesus who can uh, and who does have the power to save us. On the cross, he purchased our salvation. Joseph Smith is nothing. Next, number 57. Boy, they're coming fast and furious here, huh? <laughs> in a debate between John Taylor and a Protestant minister in 1850, John Taylor denied that the Mormons practiced polygamy. Good heavens. At the time, he was the husband of multiple wives. In a public discussion in France, he quoted from their Doctrine and Covenants, page 330, quote, Inasmuch as this Church of Jesus Christ has been reproached with the crime of fornication and polygamy, we declare that we believe that one man should have one wife and one woman but one husband, except in cases of death, when either is at liberty to marry again, end of quote. Taylor knew that the real revelation on marriage was the one on plural marriage, but refused to admit it to his audience. And he later became president of the he church. Did, third president. John Taylor knowingly lied and misled those who were at that debate. He knew that Joseph Smith had revelation on polygamy, and John Taylor himself was a polygamist at the time. <laughs> he was denying polygamy. Why did he lie about it? Was he ashamed of his polygamy? Was he ashamed of his religion? Yeah. Or was he afraid that he wouldn't get Mormon converts if the people he was trying to convert knew the truth about their polygamy? But lies will never open the doors into heaven. We're going to skip to point number 64 about polygamy in Utah before the 1890 Manifesto. While lobbying on behalf of the First Presidency in Washington, in 1887 for Utah statehood, Franklin S. Richards and John T. Kane prevaricated, stating that polygamy was a, quote, dead issue, end of quote, in Utah, and that it wouldn't be revived. They attempted to explain away the church's position on polygamy by saying that plurality was not a commandment and that celestial and plural marriages were not the same thing. This was wholly untrue, yet their conduct received approval from the First Presidency. Apostle John Taylor admitted to church members in Nephi, Utah, that the state 
statements made in Washington were a damn lie. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Duplicity on the part of the church leaders was not reserved only for those outside the church. It was served up to members as well. Current members are not informed in official church histories of the numerous lies promulgated by their revered prophets and apostles. So they deceive themselves and they deceive their members, their very members. Any way they can, just to soften any kind of controversy or truth. (laughs) And when you you lie, then you have something to hide. That's right. And then you have to remember what your lie was and lie to cover up that one, and on it goes. Now, members of today's Mormon church and as many break-off groups are generally not allowed to know about the lies and dishonesty that their previous and present leader and prophets have advocated and supported. Now, that quote was in 1887. 1887. They said polygamy was a done issue, yet the manifesto didn't happen until 1890. And even then, the church itself continued with polygamy until 1904. (laughs) Only when their assets were threatened did they finally cease and desist. It's interesting how important money was and is to them. Yes. As soon as that's threatened, then they 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 do something different. But, But even then, the many polygamists that stubbornly refused to follow the laws of their country continued with polygamy to this very day. They do. And one more comment from the very beginning of Joseph Smith's section 132 revelation on polygamy, plural marriage and celestial marriage were synonymous. It was only after the church gave up polygamy that they decided to redefine the term celestial marriage. So now it means something different than it did then. Celestial marriage was polygamy and polygamy was celestial marriage. Mm. Number 66. Number 66. <laughs> the manifesto of, 189, manifesto of 1890 prohibiting polygamy was, in fact, another attempt to dupe the U.S. government and, to some extent, ordinary church members into believing that the LDS Church intended to comply with the mandate of the government to abandon polygamy. Church members at that time generally fell into two groups. One, those who believed that the leaders only pretended to give in to government pressure to obtain statehood, and two, those who believed that the manifesto was necessary as a hedge against discovery of the true facts about polygamy in Utah. Okay. (laughs) Now, Mormon church leaders deceived themselves, even themselves, by believing that once Utah became a state— they could then incorporate polygamy into the Pass state constitution <laughs> and yeah, and make their own polygamy, make it legal, their own laws. Obviously, they held their hands behind their backs with crossed fingers, but their scheme wasn't possible. Instead, they were forced to put in the constitution that polygamy was forever prohibited. It's still there. Yeah. In fact, the manifesto was just another tactic to deceive the United States of America, as we read in the next point. Number 67. Thomas J. Roser was a missionary in Wales in 1908. He asked his mission president, Charles W. Penrose, if the 1890 manifesto banning plural marriage was a revelation from God. Making no into a long answer, Penrose replied, Brethren, I will answer that question if you will keep it under your hats. I, Charles W. Penrose, wrote the manifesto with the assistance of Frank J. Cannon and John White, Wilford Woodruff signed it to beat the devil at his own game. <laughs> and they know that. Yeah. They know that it wasn't from God. Mormon leadership tricked 
regular members of their own church to think the manifesto was a revelation from God to Woodruff, but it wasn't. There's plenty of documentation, by the way, that exists proving that it was just one more trick to pull the wool over the eyes of the American people, something Brigham Young himself said they would do. (laughs) This was done in 1875. We shall pull the wool over the eyes of the American people and make them swallow Mormonism, polygamy, and all. <laughs> oh, that's a, oh, it's he unbelievable. Loved his oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and they tried and they lied and they covered up and they used cold words and they called themselves saints. Yeah, Jesus said, Satan is the father of all lies. We jump now to number 72. During the 1890s, the church tried to answer the criticism of opponents that a theocracy existed in Utah, and church leaders controlled all elections. So leaders instructed members to pretend to align with different political parties. George Q. Cannon was asked about the degree of honesty in this strategy. He said that the potential political gains that could be achieved made sincerity irrelevant in this case. (laughs) Strange comments, some of these. We're going to have different political parties, so go out there and make different parties. (laughs) Now they continue, the LDS Church continues to pressure the lawmakers of Utah uh, to legislate according to their dictation. And Mormon politicians are both Republican and Democrat. proving what they said is true. As long as they're elected and they belong to Mormonism, their allegiance has already been established by oath and covenant in the LDS temple rituals. An article written July 25th of 2021 stated that 89 of the 103 lawmakers in Utah that year were members of the LDS Church. That's 86%. Utah's population is 60% LDS, according to research by the Salt Lake Tribune. Brigham Young was both governor of the state of Utah and president of the Mormon Church at the same time. There was no difference in in the religion and and, and uh, politics in those days. That's right. I've seen polygamists run for political office in Utah and refuse to admit they're breaking the law by being polygamists. In fact, they cannot rightfully take an oath of office to uphold the Constitution while at the same time ignoring what the Constitution dictates. But it's Utah. Polygamy is the foundation. And lying about polygamy is the fruit. And the devil being the father of lies is behind all their lies. A statement in this article says that, quote, the church's motto seems to have been, act sincere (laughs) even if you don't mean it. (laughs) Don't they know that no one fools God by lying? Well, do it with a straight face, too. Yeah. Point number 74. After claiming that he had been taught to lie by previous leaders, Matthias F. Cowley also claimed, I'm not dishonest and not a liar and have always been true to the work and to the brethren. We have always been taught that when the brethren were in a tight place, that it would not be amiss to lie to help them out. There you go. <laughs> but he's not a liar. He's not a liar. <laughs> uh-uh. that, isn't that amazing how they can deceive themselves? That's right. Uh, uh, polygamy group members are taught that it's not a sin to lie to someone outside of the group, but it is a sin to lie to someone inside the group. But they're not liars, right? (laughs) But God's not an author. He doesn't authorize or condone situational ethics. That would be the religion of man, certainly not the religion of God. 
the LDS Church seems to continue to follow the same recipe for mm -hmm. what they call success. Now, they do not tell the truth about much of their own history. Someone said you can't even trust the Mormon Church with their own history. <laughs> and that's true. They leave out unco uncomfortable information. The article says, quote, By refusing to publish unvarnished ch church history and curriculum, leaders and members can deny knowledge about unsavory historical truth while pretending that those episodes did not occur. Is that the head in the sand scenario? <laughs> sure <or>? sounds, sounds <laughs> or, like it. Just ignore it. <laughs> yeah, sure. Anyway, polygamy groups are actually more honest about Mormon history, but they're still selective about what they allow to be taught. Yeah. All Mormon polygamists seem to have a persecution complex, especially uh, the polygamists, but Mormon LDS. Yeah, oh, Some LDS sure. people do, too. Oh, absolutely. Uh, whenever they're caught being deceptive or breaking the law, they whine religious persecution. doesn't matter that they've been caught breaking some law. It's still just persecution to them. A prime example recently is the tax frauds of the Kingston Polygamy Group, the food stamp fraud of the FLDS, the sexual crimes of all the groups and the church. Yeah. And let's not forget the $5 million recently fined against the LDS Church for us to seed in hiding $34 billion of illegal <laughs> investments and not reporting them as required by law. Where is that honesty? <laughs> I know. We read this from an article dated February 21st, 2023. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and its investment arm have been fined $5 million for using shell companies to obscure the size of the portfolio under church control, the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission announced Tuesday. We allege that the LDS Church's investment manager, with the church's knowledge, went to great lengths. That's interesting. You know, not, not a mistake. Right. A, a great lengths exactly. to avoid disclosing the church's investments, depriving the commission and the investing public of accurate market information. The faith, widely known as the Mormon Church, maintains billions of dollars in investments in stocks, bonds, real estate, agriculture. The church has agreed to pay $1 million, and Ensign Peak will pay $4 million in penalties based on the violation. Federal investigators said for 22 years the firm hadn't filed required paperwork to disclose the value of some assets in violation of the Securities Exchange Act and Agency Rules. That's from the Fortune magazine. Mm -hmm. And that 22 years incorporates more than one presidency of the church. Oh, of course. They, yeah, they, they made the plans. They, yeah. This is, is intended deception. Yeah. Great lengths. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So we have to question how can a church who claims to be Jesus' only true church be involved with hoarding such huge sums of money, violating existing laws requiring disclosure of those investments. And they knew, they knew that there was laws that they had to disclose those investments. Yeah, they have a team of attorneys. They're not a dumb group up there. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, they can't claim ignorance here. No. Um, and they continue to guilt trip their members into to tithing, which they have referred to as fire insurance. How can they do this? If a member has difficult financial burdens, the church tells them, pay your tithing first and trust God to provide for your family. This isn't God's way. This isn't what Jesus taught. And tithing, as the Mormon church and polygamy teach, it cannot be found in the New Testament at all. 
They gaslight their members. They have a history of lies and deceit. They have a history of thumbing their nose at the United States government and the laws of the land. And yet their article of faith says they believe in keeping the laws of the land. Jesus said his people don't behave that way. Well, we covered points up to number 74 on this overview of all these deception. There's more to cover in future programs, which, of course, we will continue to do. (laughs) But it it continues to bind Malcolm. And and that was one reason that I started uh, looking into the validity of of Mormonism itself, is the lies and the deceit. Now, we were taught lying for the Lord was good. We were taught to do it. Well, you you didn't even take father's names or admit We didn't, not in, not in our group. Other names. groups do, but we didn't. Oh. And we couldn't even claim our father. He couldn't claim us. Yeah. You know, it just wasn't there. So that's kind of inbred immediately that in, you d- don't you, tell who you are. <laughs> right, right. You don't even know who you are. But to deliberately set up a procedure of lying and deceit yeah. is just unthinkable when they call themselves the only true only church true on the church. planet. God does not deal in that yeah. kind of behavior. Yeah. Did that ever bother you coming out of the LDS church? Or was that part of your I experience? Was just, I was just ignorant. I, I mean, naive and ignorant, I'm, I'm afraid. You just don't, you believe the brethren are, cannot lead you astray, so everything they do must be correct. Yeah. And you just accept yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. That's the trouble. You don't they, look at the man behind the people. curtain. Yeah, you know? yeah. It, it, it is what it seems, and I'm sure they'll take care of it. And the case is closed. Remember that one? We won't talk about it anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it's all wrapped up. It's done. It's taken care of. Okay, well, that's another program. Yeah. Earl, thanks again. Yeah. Appreciate it. Appreciate you. You know, the Bible records all kinds of sinfulness of humanity, including events of people telling lies to protect themselves or their nation or to exalt themselves before others. But God never commanded or condoned his people to lie to protect themselves or to protect God's interests. Actually, God condemns telling lies. Psalm 51.6 says God delights in truth. Proverbs 8, verses 6 through 8 says, Hear, for I speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right, for my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. But Mormonism cannot truthfully claim those statements for itself. Jesus is the truth. He does not endorse religious deceit. Believing him and only him for eternal life is the only way anyone can be forgiven and allowed into his heaven. Jesus is the key to heaven, not Mormonism and not polygamy. Thank you for watching. This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by A Shield and Refuge Ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.